Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Hey there, Sarah McKenzie here. This is episode 14 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Listen, you all are amazing. We are closing in on 100,000 downloads of the podcast, believe it or not. I am just floored. Recording this podcast has been so much fun for me, and I continue to line up really awesome guests for the show, so I'm looking forward to a lot more happening here at the Read Aloud Revival. What I continuously hear from listeners is that the podcast is encouraging you to realize that those small, seemingly insignificant moments of reading aloud are completely worth the effort. They are. It does sometimes take Herculean effort to drum up the enthusiasm to read aloud with our kids, but it's worth every ounce of energy you put into it. The response to the Read Aloud Revival Jumpstart Challenge has been fantastic, and there are tons of great conversations happening in the Facebook community. If you haven't gotten in on the Jumpstart Challenge to kickstart a read aloud habit in your home in just five minutes a day, head to readaloudrevival.com and get in on that. And then I've got some more great resources coming down the pipeline soon, so stay tuned for those. Super excited about them. 2015 is going to be an awesome year for making reading aloud a major focus in your home. For now, though, I want to introduce you to one of my best friends, Misty Winkler. Misty is a busy mom of five, and by her own admission, she really dislikes reading aloud. So why have her on the show? Because she's managed to create a culture of shared reading in her home anyway. She's going to encourage and inspire you, especially if you just don't enjoy reading aloud much, but are trying to drum up the enthusiasm to do it anyway. And she gives excellent practical tips to basically get out of the reading aloud any way you can. Misty, I'm so excited to have you on the show because I hear from parents all the time who say they just don't enjoy reading aloud at all. First of all, I think that can be kind of a hard thing to admit. It's like me admitting that I really hate carving pumpkins, which I would (laughs) never admit publicly. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your experience with reading aloud. You mean some people like carving pumpkins? (laughs) (laughs) That's word on the street. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I don't like carving pumpkins and I don't like reading aloud. I guess I'm a double unfun mom. (laughs) But my parents did read aloud to us when I was growing up. I remember all the little house books and Johnny Tremaine and Sarah Plain and Tall. Remember, my dad read aloud Narnia, but when we were older, he also read us Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
Oh, interesting. I've never read that. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he read his favorite books to us, and I rolled my eyes, and my brother ate it up. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I definitely grew up knowing that reading aloud was a great thing to do together and a normal thing to do. But in our family, my husband is actually the one who does most of the reading aloud. Even before we had kids, he would read aloud to me, which was fun. You know, P.G. Wodehouse or other novels. We'd sit in the evening together and I'd crochet and he'd read aloud. You know, he can do voices and expression and he just reads aloud very well. Right. Okay. And I realized that when he reads a book aloud, the book makes more sense than it did when I was just reading it on my own. Oh, interesting. Because some yeah. of that mm-hmm. expression and is an interpretation. When you're reading aloud, you're interpreting the story in a certain way, and that makes it more comprehensible. Yeah, that's a good point. And that was one of my problems with being the reader. <laughs> I felt like when I read aloud, the story made less sense <laughs> and not more. <laughs> well, you said before that you have zero flair for the dramatic, I think. Uh, zero. So. Zero. <laughs> okay. It really comes through with the reading aloud. Okay. <laughs> And so I had this incident a few, well, lots of years ago, I guess. My oldest two were preschoolers and I had a mother's helper over. She's probably in middle school or so. And so she was sitting on the couch reading a lot to my kids and it was painful. Uh I was in the other room and she stumbled over words. She left words out while she was reading out loud and then the sentence didn't make sense. And you could tell she didn't realize after, you know, by the end of the sentence that she'd left words out. And so then she realized it didn't make sense. So she'd go back and try to make it make sense. And, you know, I know she was a great student and she can read really well. But, you know, when you're reading to yourself, you do skip words. Oh, yeah. Andrew Putua said that in the first episode of the podcast. He made a really clear case for the fact, especially really good readers, they read so fast when they reach themselves. Yeah. They skip lots of those connecting words. And Yes, mm-hmm. I definitely do that. <laughs> so that makes me a bad reader aloud. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then... Uh, When you're not good at something, you don't usually like doing it. Right. That's true. So that opened my eyes. Mostly, I told myself, I resolved then and there that I would have my kids always read aloud. Even after they had learned to read on their own, I wanted them to practice reading out loud. Okay. Just to learn that skill. You know, you have them read out loud when they're practicing, you know, practicing their phonics and all of that. You have them. Yeah. When they're in that very early stage of learning to read, they read out loud every single day. And then at some point they learn how to read and we sort of give up on the having them read to us or read out right. loud. Mm-hmm. It's less motivating for us to read aloud to them, but it's also less motivating to have them read aloud. That's true. So yeah. I kind of saw her as a student then and what my students might become <laughs> and said, okay, I'm going to have my kids always practice reading out loud you know, and for as long as they are with me. (laughs) Yeah, right. Then later I realized, well, you know, she's not any worse than I am, really. That's exactly the same problem I have when I'm reading out loud as I'm skipping words. One time my husband was reading aloud some funny book, probably P.G. Wodehouse, and the part that he was reading was not funny, but he started just cracking up and he couldn't keep going. (laughs) And he said that the next line was just he wasn't sure he was going to be able to read it out loud because it was so funny. And... (laughs) Wait a sec, how do you know what the next line is? <laughs> and all of a sudden you realize he's reading ahead while he's reading out loud. He's that- reading, he's reading ahead, you know, yeah, so his yeah. eyes and his mind are reading ahead from what his mouth is saying. And I totally cannot do that. That's I just can't. I've tried and yeah. um, my words get all mixed up. And so I think that's kind of the key to the skill of reading out loud is being able to know what's coming so that you know how to say 
what you're reading. Oh, I think you're right. Because I know when I'm reading out loud, I'll skip ahead because I need to know which voice I'm supposed to use, <laughs> you know, <laughs> especially if they're very different from one another. But, you know, interesting, Alice Ozma, who wrote The Reading Promise, my father in the books we shared. I had her on mm-hmm. episode, oh, shoot, I don't remember which one now. Yeah. I want to say it was... That was a great one. 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was so... She's so great to talk to. Her dad rehearsed every single day. He read to her every single day for over 3,000 days in a row. And he rehearsed the selection before he read it to her. And that just amazed me. I thought, oh my goodness, but wow, I would probably do really well to do that. It's not realistic, so I won't, <laughs> but... <laughs> Then reading aloud would just happen way less. I know, exactly. Yeah, it's just not realistic long term. But I thought, I wonder if that, I mean, I'm sure it improved his, oh, yeah. you know, flair. Mm-hmm. I guess flair is not the right word, but his dramatic ability to be able to know exactly what's coming. Because I read loud books all the time that I've never read before. So I don't even know what kind of voice I should be using. It seems to work, but <laughs> I just can't do voices either. So, okay. But like I said, zero flair for the dramatic. <laughs> Okay, well, you have this great post where you talk about audiobooks as the perfect cop-out for the mother who doesn't enjoy reading aloud. (laughs) I love that post. And in it, you say, is it even allowed for a homeschool mom not to enjoy reading aloud? (laughs) I just like cracks, it's just cracking up. This post has got to be so encouraging to other moms who don't enjoy reading aloud. And you have some really good strategies in there for minimizing the reading aloud that you have to do without sacrificing the quality literature that you're kids are hearing and the family culture that reading aloud forms. So let's talk about those strategies a bit for other moms who may go, I really don't like this. Yeah. You know, I don't enjoy reading aloud myself and I'm not that great at it, but I don't want that to keep the kids back from experiencing good books that they wouldn't be able to read on their own or having us share books and stories together. And so I use audiobooks a lot. You know, when I use an audiobook, then... Someone's reading aloud who's really good at it, you know, who can do different voices and styles and knows what they're doing. Right. <laughs> and they're and really skilled, actually. A lot they of those are. audiobooks are amazing. Yeah. yeah. And especially with the classics or older books or books with dialect. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having an actor do them just really makes the story make more sense. Well, I think you're yeah. the one who told me I had said we were going to read Tom Sawyer. I'm pretty sure you're the one who said, get that one on audiobook. And it was yes. such a good idea because the dialects are tricky and it really makes the story come to life and kind of helps you picture the setting and the time period and everything when someone's really got those little nuances of language down. Right. Yeah. Those accents add meaning and interpretation to the character. So when someone can do them, then that really does make the story come alive. Right. Yeah. And you know, as a homeschooling mom, I feel like I'm talking to my kids all day long. <laughs> Very true. (laughs) (laughs) And so sometimes my voice just needs a break. And I think sometimes their ears need a break from me. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Probably all moms feel that way to some degree. (laughs) So the audiobooks really help with that. Okay, so let's talk about logistics of audiobooks, because I think a lot of us kind of struggle with how to make that actually work in our home. So what do you use? Do you use CDs or library audiobooks or? I've used all of them. Okay. Um, it's kind of, you know, what's working at the time and that just changes. But I prefer to not use CDs because they just end up getting lost or destroyed at our house. Right. Especially library CDs because they already start out used hard. And they then are, I know it's kind of being at our house doesn't help. <laughs> We're part <laughs> yeah. of the problem. <laughs> yeah. As yesterday, I realized the twins are walking around each with a CD of Old Yeller from you oh, know, no. their white audiobook. <laughs> I thought that can't be good. <laughs> 
But you know, now our library has a digital system called Overdrive and we can check out audiobooks digitally. So yes. over the internet and just download them and then they can't be overdue either. They just go away from your account. I love that. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Yeah. We have Overdrive at our library too. And I also love how I don't have to take my kids into the library and yes. get stuff. It's just downloadable online. I'll put a link in. I'm actually looking at the website right now to see if... I'll put the link in so people can see if their library has this program, but it's... Yeah. Or they could probably even ask at some point, you know, do you have Overdrive? Because I think that's the main one that libraries use. I think you're right. Yeah. That's been really great. And then do you get CDs? I often put them into the computer then so they're digital and I can put them onto iPods or that sort of thing. I found CD boom boxes. I've had a few and they just don't seem to last very well, at least, you know, at our house. And they aren't cheap still. Not that, you know. I know it's kind of interesting because a lot of people don't even have them anymore. So you'd yeah. kind of think it'd be like a cassette player that you'd be able right. to. Right. That's what I was expecting. So when you put your CD in your computer and then you can put that on an iPod, how does that work? Well, I stick it in and it, you know, writes it to the drive of the computer. And then you just drop it. So that then it's in iTunes. Oh, cool. I don't think I've ever tried that. Okay. I will have to do that. Our library has these little MP3 players that are. They'll contain like an entire story on yes, one MP3. Playaways. Yes, that's what they're called. Yes. That's right. I love those. I do too because then during rest time, I can give my nine-year-old son one, you know, Cricket in Times Square or something mm-hmm. on the playway and he can just put some headphones on and go up to his room and play with Legos and listen because he, the kids all like to do listen to those too during chore time sometimes, although I don't always allow that because sometimes then I'll find yeah. them. During chores doesn't always work out. <laughs> all of a sudden you realize they're like sitting over against the wall, looking out the window, spacing <laughs> off, and there's still crumbs all over the floor. <laughs> okay, so I think you have said that you have some old iPod shuffles too. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so when I get CDs or audiobooks off Audible, I love Audible. I have, it's I'm pretty sure it's first generation iPod shuffles, so they are little sticks and they have no screen, and they have no options. Very nice. <laughs> you just play. <laughs> and so I could give those to even the four-year-old, and he can push play. And actually, you can change the settings on them to even lock the volume so they can't blast themselves out. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's okay. in the settings, yeah. And those are probably pretty inexpensive, actually, if you got a used iPod shuffle, because so few yeah, people are I've, using those now. I found those for $10 on Craigslist. Oh, very good idea. Yeah, pretty, okay. You have to get them pretty much on Craigslist or eBay or something like that because they're so old. Right. But yeah, they're cheaper than boot boxes, which is why I did that. And then, you know, they're just this little stick. They really can't be ruined. They can't be messed with or... Mm-hmm. You load those with things that you get on Overdrive or from the library that you've put on the hard drive or something. Yeah. Or Audible audiobooks. Oh, yes. Right. So I right. try to get them all onto the computer and then I can hook whatever iPod up to the computer and change out what's on the iPod. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing is that I think you've used some different speakers too before, like to put your iPod on if you want to have everybody listen to the same story at once. Is that right? Yes. My husband installed whole house speakers. Oh, that's awesome. So that I can just set, you know, use these speakers instead of the computer speakers and then it blasts on the main level. (laughs) That's awesome because right now we don't have any speakers for the iPod, but what I'll end up doing if we have an audible audiobook or anything like on LibriVox or 
anything from online is that I'll just put it on the laptop and turn up the volume, but mm-hmm. that can't it's quite still... compare with the din of three yeah, toddlers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's when they start scraping the Legos. So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've tried other, you know, plug-in speakers before and some have worked and some have just been not worth it at all. When I use it just for like the kid's bedroom when they're quiet time or whatever and they all want to listen to the same thing. If it's an iPod that has a speaker, like those little iPod shuffles don't have any speaker. But if it's like an iPod touch or something that has speakers itself, Mm -hmm. it's just this little rubber stand and it just magnifies the sound, like the shape of it magnifies the sound. So it's not another thing to plug in. It's not. It has no. It's just a little rubber stand that magnifies the sound enough for a bedroom. Interesting. Okay. Well, yesterday I was chatting with Megan Francis from the happiesthome.com mm-hmm. for her podcast. And she said that you could put an iPod or a phone in a bowl, like in a glass. Like yeah, a I've done bowl. that too for myself. Ah, Just, and it worked. I meant to try it yesterday and I forgot. So I'll have to try it. <laughs> it works a little bit. It still is not quite loud enough to really compete with kid noise. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Especially when there's lots of kid noise, probably. <laughs> We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Do you tend to use audiobooks at certain times of day or randomly? Yeah. yeah, I use some for school. Like during our Bible lesson, I'll just use the audio Bible for those selections. Okay. It sometimes during lunchtime we'll listen to a story read aloud. That seems to cut down on the lunchtime chaos a little bit. Yeah. But mostly quiet time. Each one will have their own. So then it's with headphones. So then it's still quiet. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) But then also we use them a lot on sick days. You know, it's rainy, drizzly, and we're all sick. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone can do a puzzle. Everyone can have, yeah, do a puzzle, cuddle up with a blanket, and I'll just turn on an audio book over the speakers. And nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of the ways I've been using audio books this year is to get in some of our subjects that I'm having a harder time getting to. So we do science all, we all do the same science program. And so we got our science textbook. We actually found an audio book for it. Yeah. Oh, you have to send that to me. <laughs> yeah, it's the Apologia 
Oh, they I, have this I, on audiobook? Just one. They just have the human anatomy, exploring oh. creation with human anatomy, or I should have that title awesome. up. I'll link it up in the show notes. But yeah, they have, it's actually on Audible for not very much, like $15 oh, okay. or something. You or, know what? I just got on Audible. I haven't listened to it yet, but you know, we have the whole story of the world set on audio. Yeah, yeah. And we love those. And often I'll keep those ones in the car. You know, of course, we listen to audiobooks in the car. (laughs) And so we'll often get through the whole four volume thing, you know, in a few months, just listening to it in the car. That's great. But I just saw on Audible that they have the audiobooks of Susan Weiss Bowers adult history books, the big, giant, thick ones. I tried to read one one time and I got like two chapters in and it took me two months to get two chapters in. Right. Okay. so for our listeners... The story of the world is a set of history narratives. It's really like history told in story form. It's fabulous. Written by Susan Wise Bauer from Peace Hill Press and read aloud by Jim Weiss, who I interviewed for the podcast on episodes four and five. And he is just spectacular and really, really skilled at reading aloud. Great to listen to. Yes. And Susan Wise Bauer also wrote a set of history books for adults to read. And that way you could you know, a lot of us feel like we didn't get a great history education ourselves or we don't know how to answer our kids' questions or we just want to have a better understanding ourselves. And so I think they're tied in the same time frame as the... Yeah, the there are four volumes, okay. just the same. Although I think, you know, Story of the World is great for self-education too. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So those ones, you said those are on Audible? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I will link so those. I've, okay, that's awesome. I've started using my credits for those and I'm thinking those will be great for high school. Definitely. That would even be great for me just to listen to a chapter from whatever we're learning about in history at the times because a lot of the time I feel like my kids then have questions and I go, oh, right. we'll look that up, which we yeah. invariably never do because, you know. Well, and the story of the world audiobooks are great. You know, I have friends who don't homeschool who still listen to those, you know, just in the car or whatever as a great supplement. They are really great. Okay. So that leads me into my next question for you, which was audiobooks for you as the mom, because I think that is something. Well, one of the things we've talked about before is the need to really model the fact that reading aloud is not just a babyish kind of for kids activity. And so I love listening to books. And so I would love to hear about what you listen to. One of my favorite things to listen to on audio is actually Charles Dickens. Mm, Yes. I had a really hard time with his novels, just reading them on my own. And partly that was the dialect thing. And so I got an audio book one time from the library and it was so it made more sense listening to it than it did reading it because the interpretation of the reader gave life to those accents. And I couldn't, from the dialect, interpret what kind of an old English accent that was. Right. But hearing it, you know, then I can draw on movies or whatever I've seen and go, oh, I think I know that, you know, that accent does kind of mean lower class or, you know, those accents are communicating something about the character that I can't understand reading it. Yes, but I can listen to a great rendition of, well, I don't know if rendition is the right word, but yeah. <laughs> a great David Copperfield this summer. I never yeah. quite finished it. It's still on my iPod. I need to finish it, but it was really enjoyed it. And I do think there was a lot I would have missed not mm-hmm. having heard it. Yeah. And then when I'm listening to a long Les Mis on audio. Mm, okay. So then those sections that are just history or really long description, you know, I could just keep washing the dishes, keep folding the laundry, yes. <laughs> whatever. They just roll on by and I get what I can, but it's not that temptation to skip. Yes. (laughs) It it just still keeps going too. So that's been a great 
that's helped me read a lot of books that I wouldn't have gotten to. And so you probably get those by Audible mostly too, right? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about Audible's Listener Rewards Month because that is coming. Well, we're probably in it now. It's November and November is Audible's Rewards Month. Do you know much about that? Yes, I love Listener Rewards Month. It's November and April they do this. Oh, okay. Where during these months, Audible will credit your account with $10 credit. If you buy four books that have a regular price of something like $14.95 or somewhere in that, and that's the regular price, and almost all of the books have that as their regular price. Okay. You buy four books and then you get a $10 credit. But the word buy can actually be very loose because even using a credit counts as buying one. Oh, interesting. Okay. So even if you like already had four credits and you just used them in a listener reward month, you would get $10. Cool. Okay. Okay. But there are also ways to get audiobooks on Audible for free or 99 cents. And those count towards those four books. So that's awesome. So you you have this in posts, right? You've written a couple posts on how to do this. I do. I have a post that has the screenshots and how to find the cheap books and just walks you through how to get the $10 credit. And then with the list of free or 99 cent audiobooks, you can also get a ton of books for that $10 credit. Awesome. Okay. I'll make sure I link to those in the show notes so everybody can find that because that's awesome. I remember seeing that when you first wrote it and I still don't think I've totally taken advantage of all the little tips you had in those posts. I'm going to have to go back and look myself. Yeah. I now have a large library on Audible. (laughs) So. That's so great. Then you own them, which I think is so nice compared to, you know, if you have to remember to borrow it. And And they're so well done, too. You know, there's LibriVox or the others, but I'm just spoiled now. I (laughs) can't do LibriVox anymore. My reader to be really good at what he does. (laughs) Yes. So that's been my kind of struggle with LibriVox, too, is a lot of times a single book will have a whole bunch of different readers. Although I remember one of my blog readers sending me an email of a list of great narrators on LibriVox. Oh, that would be good to have. Yes. So you don't have to sift through everything. Yes. I need to go back and find it and then make a list for everybody to grab because I think that would be really helpful for people Mm -hmm. who need need a free alternative, but don't want to sacrifice the quality because it's really painful to listen to a poorly read. It is. (laughs) And I was like, that's what we're trying to avoid here. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. I would be reading it very painfully. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, so here's the doozy for you. Okay. Let's pretend like you only get to grab three audiobooks to keep, and then all of the audiobooks in the whole world will no longer be available to you. (laughs) (laughs) So which would you choose? Oh, let's see. My first would be definitely the Bible on audio. I use that quite a bit. And then would definitely be Winnie the Pooh, read by Peter Dennis. Oh, yes. I think you've recommended that to me before. Yes. Okay. I could not read Winnie the Pooh out loud at all. It just did not make sense. Yeah. You know, this is interesting because Tish Oxenrider on episode three, she was chatting about Winnie the Pooh and said she really thinks that people read it when their kids, you know, too young, that it's better uh-huh. for older elementary it's age. Great. So okay. it's funny on the box for the version by Peter Dennis, it's recommended by Christopher Robin. Like the real A. Milne's son. <laughs> so it's just red. It makes so much sense. Red by Peter Dennis. Okay. It's great. Okay. That's and then, great. oh man, one more. I don't know if I'd pick the Little House series that's read by Cherry Jones. Oh, absolutely. With the Laura Ingalls. Yes. Or the Narnia audio set. Okay. Just we haven't heard that. Sure. 
there's a set that has the whole series and they're read by different actors like Kenneth Branagh. Oh, okay. So very, very good actors read them out loud. And it's still one reader, though. It's not dramatized. Okay. So one of those that would be really difficult to pick. Probably I would pick Little House because my husband would read aloud Narnia, but he doesn't care for Little House. <laughs> yeah. And that makes a huge difference whether or not the person reading enjoys it. I think, yes. I don't remember if I ever told the story here on the podcast. I know I wrote a blog post about my experience reading The Hobbit, which was somewhat no, painful. No, we, you, you don't want to bring that up with me. I know. That's right. Let's not go there. I'll link it up in the show notes for my listeners who may need a little <laughs> encouragement if they're not big Tolkien fans themselves. <laughs> we won't go there with Misty. <laughs> Well, Misty, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I'll make sure that everybody can find your post because you have some really great resources for people who are looking for audiobooks and a ton of encouragement for those who do not enjoy reading aloud, but want the culture of reading aloud in their home. So really super encouraging to know that that's possible and totally doable. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is Chloe. I'm 11 and I live in Texas. I like listening to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows and Sign of the Beaver. I like it because they're adventure books. I like Hermione and the main character of Sign of the Beaver. My name is McKenna Nelson. I am 18 years old and I'm from Missouri. The book that I chose uh, as my favorite read aloud book is The Same Stuff as Stars by Katherine Patterson. My favorite character from this book is Angel Morgan. She's the main character uh, along with her little brother Bernie. They go on some great adventures, some very, very sad and others are funny and witty. (laughs) She meets a mysterious stranger and he teaches her about the stars and planets and constellations. And what's really neat is this book actually references a real book called The Starry Messenger. So I thought that was kind of neat. One thing that reading aloud has done for me, my mom read aloud to me uh, as I grew up and has really helped me become a better reader. She used all kinds of different characterizations and she would change her voice and the dynamic of her voice and everything like that kind of helped me to read better. I feel like I read aloud very well thanks to the wonderful example I had through my mom and it's helped me have an interest in books. You know, if I would have read this by myself, I might not have been as interested, but when my mom read it and she made it seem so interesting and we would do research outside of that, which helped me to analyze and think critically when it came to reading. Well, there you have it. If you don't love reading aloud, don't fight against it quite so much. Find some strategies to help you create a family culture of shared reading in ways that fit better with your particular situation. I'll make sure Misty's tutorials and resources are linked up in the show notes. So head to readaloudrevival.com and click on episode 14 to find those. Remember that all of the Jumpstart Challenge materials are completely free. That includes an e-guide, an audio download, and some really helpful worksheets and printables, as well as access to the private Read Aloud Revival Facebook community. Access to the Jumpstart Challenge and everything else you need to get motivated to read aloud to your kids is at readaloudrevival.com. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate every one of you. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate you spending a little bit with me. Have a wonderful couple of weeks and until next time, go build your family culture around books.